0: You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by The Nighttime Podcast.
1: Hello listeners, and welcome back to my weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here in Keep Canada Weird, my pal Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore some of the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded on the foggy night of October 23rd, 2022, Aaron and I continue to gaze into the darkness that is the Halloween celebration. Our discussion will feature a public hanging in Montreal. We'll look at Canada's top 10 haunted locations, and we'll hear the story of a floating coffin. So let's get to it. Scarin'
2: Airport scaring airport
1: okay <laughs> i was waiting for you to yeah react to well
2: that. i it took me a millisecond to just kind of dawn on me what the heck you were saying scaring airport Handsome, evil scaring airport how are you doing tonight so now i'm like stuck for something to call you uh i wasn't pre-prepared like you were for a halloween based name to call you um mm i had a moment uh how about jordan blown apart no that's not halloweeny that's worse that's different i don't like that at
1: all no it's graphic okay well yeah you're right and that'll that's actually going to be our segue to what mm. we're going to talk about shortly yeah um you can go with you know the dracula kind of thing jordan vaughn apart jordan vaughn apart um apart. or jordan bone apart. How about I just say,
2: Jordan.
1: <laughs> there, yeah. that's your uh, name. I like mm-hmm. it. Do you got the Halloween spirit? Like, are you? have you been taken over by the warm, fuzzy feelings of death and decay? Yeah, it's really fuzzy. Yeah, I'm filled with fuzz right now. Do you have any decorations? Like, is your house looking spooky? Is anything? Um, are you...
2: No, man, it's not. It's really? uh, a shame. Yeah, it is i'm like i want to but i just don't have the energy to do it i guess Hmm. i'm full i'm all in we got a graveyard in the front yard
1: we got a big uh uh you call them uh like the inflatable inflatable thing we got an inflatable pumpkin and we're gonna start doing more it's like the next week is all about like building up to that big day yeah um where we're going to have our house looking great, we're going to go door to door, and we're going to get so much candy that we're all going to need fillings in multiple teeth.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, last year I didn't get a lot of kids. You know, I do enjoy handing out treats and seeing the costumes and et cetera, et cetera, Halloween. But um, last year was my first year in the house. I only got four kids, I think so i'm not expecting a tidal wave of children this year coming to the door and i don't really see people in the neighborhood decorating as well so it doesn't really oh. give me the ambition to do it. it sounds like they're giving up down there that's not cool yeah well i don't know maybe it's you don't want to draw too much attention in my neighborhood maybe Whoa. maybe you're just asking for it, is it by it, decorating you, for Halloween. is it haunted is a curse the entire neighborhood yeah sort of yeah As a i guess curse. yeah in a way um
1: <laughs> wow well if it is haunted we probably will be talking about it tonight because i got big plans for us here yeah, oh, yeah. we're gonna talk about an exciting episode we're gonna keep yeah, we're going to be keeping Canada weird, but we're also going to be keeping it pretty darn spooky. But before we get into that, we got one piece of listener feedback, which is more so a question that I think right off the bat we need to address. I, and I'm curious how you're going to respond to okay. this, because it's a very good question. And it's this question comes from a listener. This listener's question is a question that many listeners from around the world have for us. Okay, Here's what Sarah says.
3: Hi there. My name is Sarah. I come to you from south of the border in a wood-paneled 1950s basement in Seattle, Washington. And the question that I have for you is, how can I, as a Seattleite, help keep Canada weird? Because it's the middle of the night, I'm making art in my basement, and I'm just listening to episode after episode of Keep Canada Weird, and I feel deeply invested in Canada being weird. So let us know how we, south of the border, can help in the efforts. Farewell.
1: Hmm. And not just south of the border, north, south, and east yeah, and west, and west, of the west as well. Hmm. Um. My response to that is what I always enjoy hearing from hearing uh, from listeners is their perceptions and thoughts on what Canada is yeah. based on, you know, what makes it outside of the country. Mm-hmm. So we had the, um, the young, the woman from, I think it was from Australia who was, went to Tim Hortons on our quote unquote recommendation and sent us that voice memo in about it. But I guess anytime anyone from anyone internationally comes across anything Canadian, Let us know and we will
2: audit it if it is accurate and true. Yeah. That's a good way we can do it. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think? Um, Keeping an eye out for any kind of Canadian weird things that blow across the border. You know, Mm -hmm. the wind can take some things over there. Um, Mm -hmm. But the best thing you can do to help, uh, excuse me, help keep Canada weird is to listen to Keep Canada Weird and support the show. So that way, the more support that we get, internationally the uh the more weird stories we're going to seek out in canada
1: Mm -hmm. yeah well good answer well let's get to it as you know and as we always bring up we have a mandate to highlight weird wonderful and unusual things across canada with it being that we're recording this on the 23rd of october we're fully engulfed in a storm of halloween frights and chills and thrills So that's what we're going to be focusing on tonight, but first I want to take kind of like a zoomed out look at Halloween and where it is today in a post-COVID, post-pandemic world. The last, I think, two Halloweens have um, have been stabbed and massacred by COVID. It has made yeah. it harder to go door to door, and you know some people were uncomfortable having trick or treaters and such. There were less Halloween parties, so less people getting dressed up and getting drunk with their friends at different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to kind of take a look at where we are today. The best way to do that is a recent news report all about Halloween spending. Right. So let's listen in on. Let's listen in on this. Okay
3: for the richard family halloween is having them reach deep into their pockets especially
4: this year last year we didn't spend as much but this year we did
3: the family says everything is more expensive when it comes to bringing their best fright to Halloween night, There's a lot of accessories <laughs> that go with the costumes too. So all the add-ons you gotta get, and, and then we're
4: gonna take them to
3: Heritage Park yeah. for yeah. Halloween. Hello, Save collected data from Statistics Canada and the Retail Council of Canada. It says Canadians will spend about 1.64 billion dollars on Halloween this year, up from last. It equates to about 87 dollars per person. That's a welcome sign for this Halloween Alley store. Things are picking up. Shipping is finally starting to come around, so our stock is starting to arrive. I mean, it's hard to say if people are willing. To spend more like disposable income seems to be less and less all the time right but Gurinder mirwaha says many are going back to Halloween staples for costumes as sales ramp up like last year it was like it was all squid games money heist right so there was like set themes kind of that everybody was after this year it's kind of a mixed bag people are kind of going back to the classics like uh ghost phase uh new Halloween movie coming out, so Michael Myers is big this year. You know, we get the hardcore people coming in early September and stuff and, and getting their stuff early. But, uh, yeah, generally the last couple of weeks of October is when things really go crazy.
0: Tyson is at Halloween Alley in the Northeast tonight. Tyson, costumes are what many are spending their money on.
3: Yeah, Tara, about half a person's budget every year is spent on a costume, so about $41 this year. But new data out of the U.S. says that candy is also on the rise by about 13% in price, of course, just due to inflation. Now, here in Canada, though, we're expected to spend about $22 on those sugary treats for Halloween night, Tara.
1: Okay, Tyson, thank you. The forecast, according to those experts, $1.6 billion spent in Canada on Halloween. Mm. That is a shocking number.
2: I'm surprised by that last thing on the report, which says that people are expected to spend $22 on treats. I find mm. that quite low. Do you? Well, maybe that's on
1: average, because some people don't take part at all. So yeah, I numbers. Average, but yeah, I guess it is the I certainly but...
2: spend... I'm spending at least fifty a year. I would say. I say at the least, yeah. Like depend, and some people, you know, who get a hundred and fifty, two hundred children in their neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, they're probably spending hundreds of dollars. But yeah, I guess the average. But but twenty two dollars is seems low to me. That's certainly seems like a low average. That's that's like a, a bag of chips or whatever for
1: you know thirty kids. Yeah, you're not making a, a treat bag for those kids. No, um, and the number they gave as well as that the average person, the average Canadian. Is, I think the number they said was like eighty six dollars or whatever was yeah. spent. That includes, includes a costume, a costume and which I also
2: find that low too because mm-hmm. the, I don't dress up often for Halloween. But the times that I do, you know, you go to the thrift stores, you you kind of pick up pieces of your costume mm-hmm. and you build it yourself, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and by the time it's all said and done, you're 80, ninety dollars in at least easily yeah and it's and I
1: find um I don't know about saying every year but nowadays it's um the the quality and the amount of money spent on a costume seems so much hotter higher when we were younger like it would just be like kind of like a mask or something basic but now with kind of like cosplay being Mm -hmm. a thing i feel like people really ramp it up the people who go out and you know and put on a crazy costume like can take it pretty far yeah but we um, used to wear those
2: really plastic ones that would rip really easy like a yeah. plastic Superman with an awful generic mask or whatever it was, you know, when they were mm-hmm. not even built to last the night, let alone to reuse at another Halloween.
1: Yeah. But either way, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's um, bouncing back. Like every industry has been affected by the stuff that has happened over the last several years. And not only do Things uh, that involve like a public get together, like Halloween, for the most part, but also like the shipping and inventory and all this kind of stuff. It's just uh, made it kind of an uphill battle to keep Halloween what it should be. And I, I think uh, you know, this is the year to go big. Yeah, go and Halloween.
2: maybe Halloween's finally going to have a bit of a a comeback because even leading up to COVID, I found that Halloween, well, I guess the act of trick or treating was kind of slowly declining and mm-hmm. in, in from yeah, what yeah. i could see in neighborhoods in my area so i don't know i see the same
1: thing here just the kind of the culture of it is different i think people maybe aren't as comfortable going door to door and taking candy from people nowadays yeah, <laughs> as, they, Halloween as our turns parents more
2: were into like a family event or an event with friends and the act of going to strangers houses asking for candy is a bit Ah, It's a bit 1950s, you know. Maybe, yeah.
1: Let this be our segue. Speaking of strangers' houses, speaking of Halloween making a comeback, we talked a little bit about decorations and how much money's being spent. I want to kind of focus the show on something that's happening in montreal uh a a certain homes decorations have been have led to quite a bit of controversy and has have people asking the question how far is too far when it comes to halloween decorations Mm -hmm. i will say that i kind of my decorations around my house I, i wouldn't say are on like the violent and gory side but i do have a whole bunch of pretty realistic looking headstones and graves and stuff but um, before I play the clip, what are your thoughts on Halloween decor? Like, what would be appropriate decorations for a yard?
2: Well, obviously, you know, skeletons, gravestones, you know, pumpkins—like your standard mm-hmm. stuff. And, and and people do get creative with their with their decorating, and so you'll see some clever things. But mm-hmm. this one is definitely one to talk about. Yeah, let's play the clip and then we'll talk about it.
0: A controversial decoration in Huntsick is getting a lot of attention. A homeowner has decided to put up a hanged dummy in a tree, as Billy Shields reports. Now, reaction is mixed. On a usually quiet street in Huntsick, a somewhat macabre Halloween decoration is getting all the attention. People with the car stop and. Big love and uh, taking picture and going. It's the first time I see it. I think it, it looks really cool. It's an effigy hanging from a tree put up by Matthew Farah.
5: Halloween's been dying out lately. It's getting colder, less kids are going out. So we're just trying to bring it back to life, you know.
0: Farah says the reaction from people he's talked to about his decoration has been positive. Our people don't notice. Some people are like,
5: oh my God, I can see it.
0: <laughs> They'll stop, take pictures and carry on with their day. Now, Farah says this installation is being done in the spirit of Halloween, but not everyone who lives in the area thinks the effigy is appropriate.
4: It's it's great that people could do lots of uh, decoration for Halloween, but personally, I think it was really bad taste in my opinion, I mean.
0: And some look at Farah's front yard with studied concern. This effigy would absolutely be
1: uh, prone to triggering people's memories of lynchings, that there's a horrible history in the world of lynchings. Um, of suicide, uh, people hanging themselves to death uh, and people have had personal experiences or just a historical aspect of either is horribly upsetting for many people.
0: Farrow recently added a disclaimer of sorts to the installation, recently putting this sign on the tree after he says police paid him a visit.
5: Not that much, it's fake, it uh, has nothing to do with anything, no suicides, it's just decoration. It's clearly fake. I don't know how you can And
0: while that may be true for the hanging dummy, the debate it's generating is certainly real. Billy Shields, CTV News.
5: Oh,
1: yeah. I, I almost wish I had my son down here. I considered having him in sit in on this to let me know what he thought about that. But yeah. I almost, like, I, I had second thoughts being like, I don't really want him seeing that. And then I, from there, kind of thought about how other people may feel and yeah, I'm all for Halloween and decorations and keeping it spooky. And I don't want to be a party pooper, but I certainly think like a realistic looking body hanging from a tree Mm -hmm. above a sidewalk on a busy street is maybe just
2: a step too far. It's a little far. Yeah. Cause it is very realistic looking. I wouldn't assume it was real. Obviously, if I was walking down the streets, given the season that we're in, With Halloween just around the corner, I would be like, okay, someone's got a Halloween decoration up that's fairly graphic, but okay. It wouldn't bother me specifically, but if I had children, yeah, I'd be bothered by it. Yeah, and it's
1: people who are listening that haven't seen the photos. Again, it looks like. Very much looks like a, a body, like it has the right kind of shape and proportions of a body, but it has like kind of a hood over the head mm-hmm. that's covered in blood. So it looks like, I don't know, it, what would have happened is someone got their face beat in and then someone threw a hood over their head and they hung them from a tree outside. Yeah, the, house. the body
2: like, in particular looks, you know, at first glance, yeah. it looks, it looks quite real.
1: Yeah. And it's, and where it is hung is it's hung quite high up from a tree, but it hangs over a busy sidewalk so you'd be walking under the body walking mm. down the sidewalk and just as you said my thought is if I had my I have a four and a nine-year-old either one of them would be uncomfortable yeah by that yeah seeing that in and, and my thought about Halloween is in every holiday like as an adult it's great to enjoy it but those holidays are I don't know if this is me as a parent, but primarily like the holidays are for children and for younger people to enjoy mm-hmm. and if if your decoration, especially your public decoration goes so far as to you know make kids upset then you've gone too far. Something like if we had like a private party where it's all adults, yeah it, that's a different time where you can you know really go crazy, but something on your front lawn, I think you need to keep it to like pumpkins and skeletons.
2: Yeah, or something that's obviously like, you know, if it was a skeleton hanging from the tree, that would be a little different. Mm-hmm. But the realism of it, you know, sure, you know, a Hollywood uh you know makeup artist didn't put this together, but it's still it's real enough looking that I don't think a a young child would really understand what they were seeing and it would be quite a graphic image for them. And in a public street you have to, you know, as sure, you know, it's, it's your Halloween decoration or whatever, but you have to be cautious of of what you're putting out there.
1: Yeah, it's true. And it it, just, like you say, it's like, it's your choice, your yard, your decoration, do what you want. But ultimately I think this guy, um, if he could, st- who, who owns this home, if he could kind of take a step back maybe and look at it from some other people's
2: points of view, mm-hmm. maybe he'd be like, I'm going to put that in the backyard instead of the front but it's yard. It's not like you can just not unsee it, right? It's not mm-hmm. like, well, if you don't like that music, don't listen to it. Or if you find that television show offensive, don't watch it. That, you know, you can get behind that argument a little bit, but this is a public street where people are walking with their families and they have no choice but to see it. Well, I think what you just said kind of,
1: you said it's not like music, but I, I think um, the analogy you could use here is let's say if you had music that had the most like adult lyrics, like, you know, every second word was an F bomb kind of thing, would it be appropriate to have the speakers? Uh, in your window blasting towards the road as kids no, were walking no, by. No, no, I just
2: more mean in the sense of, I guess I'll stick to the television show analogy. You know, if if mm-hmm. there's a television show you find very offensive, you just simply do not watch it. Mm-hmm. No, no, you know, nobody is forcing you to watch a television show that's offensive and seeing the what you deem to be offensive imagery on that show, but this is a public street with this hanging there for everyone To have no choice but to see yeah uh in the article they talked
1: about some people being triggered by uh it's you know the reminder of like lynchings but they also mentioned suicides and i do know uh this is i'm going back years ago in my life uh somebody that i was close with a long time ago had a family member whose sibling ended their life died by suicide and it was a hanging that did it, but I remember this time where we're, we're a group of us were together. I think we were at a movie I can't remember what movie it was, mm-hmm. but there was a scene in the movie where somebody was hung and the person whose sibling died by suicide with hanging was very, like, upset by it. And so when I saw this article, I immediately thought, like, oh, man, like, this is something that if that person had a walk under, it would bring back, you know, Absolutely, their, one of their darkest memories. Absolutely.
2: And, uh, and we have to be Halloween considerate of that. Halloween isn't about Yeah, it's, Halloween yeah. is fun. Like, there's, there's not a lot of fun about extremely graphic imagery. That is very violent-looking and mm-hmm. disturbing. Like again, you know.
1: But not to say that there isn't a time and a place for it. Of course, it. There's certainly of course. A Halloween party, um, that is attended or by adults. Or like a, yeah, a haunted Donuts. house
2: where it's like you're warned beforehand that there's going to be disturbing imagery that you could find offensive on the inside of this haunted mansion or whatever you're going to, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. if it's 18 years or older and there's a warning about the content, then you're kind of going in on your own accord at that point in time that I could see some things that might be disturbing. And I should be aware of that before I make the choice to go inside, but there's no choice with this situation. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Well, let's move away from this hanging. And instead I want to talk to you about ghosts Hauntings, um, possessions, things that are um, only suitable to talk about this month. I would say first, let me tell you. If uh, I'm going to ask you your your opinions on ghosts and spirits and all this stuff, but I want to let you know that a recent. Ipsos poll conducted between May 18th and 20th of 2021 looked at Canada's thoughts and beliefs on the paranormal. And that survey revealed that nearly half of Canadians, 46% exactly, believe in ghosts or supernatural beings, while a further 2 in 10 or 20% are unsure, leaving just 34% of Canadians skeptical or not believing in ghosts. Mm -hmm. Does it surprise you that basically half of canada believes in ghosts the paranormal
2: the supernatural it doesn't surprise me to be honest and especially when the article breaks it down by the age categories like the generations Mm -hmm. you know gen x millennials uh whatever else you want to call it um it makes sense to me that the younger a generation gets, especially like Gen X to millennials to, you know, the, whatever, whatever the other generations are called. I can't, (laughs) the shitty ones. Yeah. Yeah, The young, dumb ones. Um, it makes sense that like Gen X grew up on movies and television shows that were kind of horror genres and, and scary stories, like in movies and TV shows, more than mm-hmm. than the previous generation. Like if you look at the baby boomers, they didn't have access to as much kind of uh, more gothic content, I guess, than than Gen X or or millennials did. And I think it's very romanticized in the culture of those generations. And like, look at you know films like Ghostbusters like what those generations grew up on Mm. is is very much ingrained like you know ghosts and spirits and the supernatural and um it's very much ingrained in us even when you don't even realize it and for me yeah like i'm open-minded to the idea of ghosts or whatever you want to call what ghosts are you know Leftover energy is kind of just how I think about it. That's all. That's what I. I have a, a bit of a theory. I believe a hundred percent.
1: And my thoughts, like they call it leftover energy, that's my thoughts. I feel like the difference between a living body of a human, let's say, or animal, or probably plant as well, the difference between a living person and a dead person seems to be like this tiny little zap of electricity that's enough to pump your heart get your system started, make your brain operate, like there, there's just like, there must be some little dab of electricity that makes all that happen. But the way electricity works is it doesn't just like disappear, you know? So when you die, the electricity is not in your body making things pump around or whatever, making things work, That dis- that electricity leaves your body and goes somewhere else. And maybe it just becomes static in the air that someone else makes someone else's hair stand up, you mm-hmm. know, or you get stuck to a balloon and someone rubs a balloon on their hair and then you're haunting their hair, that sort of thing. But I think there's, there's something to do with like what electricity, what happens to the electricity that's in your body when you're, when you die. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think if there, if there's ghosts, like, which I think there is, I think it has something to do with that.
2: Right. It's uh, energy is just redispersed, you know, from one vessel to somewhere else and then makes its way to wherever it lands and Mm -hmm. i think you have this residual energy that can create what we see as ghost sightings Mm
4: -hmm.
2: i don't really think they're you know where sometimes people think of a ghost maybe intentionally haunting someplace or like almost make makes it feel like it's a choice or um a planned action by this entity but Mm. it's really i feel like just you know just a ripple effect of this of this leftover energy uh
1: talking about that survey again it's interesting you say they they broke down their stats and their results per age group they also break it down per region oddly enough 57 percent of albertans people from Alberta believe in the paranormal, that's the highest of any region. And one other thing, I think the biggest kind of difference in all the numbers when you break it down, is looking at the composition of a household. If you have kids in your home, 58% believe in ghosts. If you don't have ghosts, or sorry, if you don't have kids, only 43%. So that's like, you know, 15% more likely to believe in ghosts and the supernatural if you have kids. And I thought about that a bit, again, as someone with kids. And I think the idea that life continues after your death, I wonder if that hits different for someone who has kids that maybe has a bit more of a stake in longevity that's that's where my mind went god knows but it's but it's there's obviously a difference 15 of, percent of every other way to break this down that seems to be the biggest difference looking at those numbers yeah yeah um, that's
2: interesting i'll
1: share i'll share the survey results uh in this episode description for the podcast for people who want to go through it because it does break it down in a lot of interesting ways and i thought i i don't know i'm like i'm a bit analytical so the numbers and stats are interesting to me but let's get over to the end result of a belief in the paranormal in the supernatural if you do believe then you certainly believe there are some damn haunted places in Canada
2: have you ever been into a haunted house well not a house that I had any kind of proof was haunted I guess to put it that Mm -hmm. way um you know I've been in staged haunted houses (laughs) okay like a theme like a part i was never in a house where i felt something is off about this house it feels like there are spirits here or whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. them um i've never felt that way about anywhere
1: I've always felt like more so I f- I feel uncomfortable an uncomfortable presence when I'm in the woods versus when I'm in a house. Like there's been several times where I've been alone walking through the woods at night, um, and I've got the feeling like you know I'm not alone. I don't know if it's a coyote or a group of zombies or what the heck it is, but that's where I yeah, really get a it's weird. Yeah, it's zombie sense, but...
2: coyotes that you're <laughs> worried about there.
1: Yeah, but any like old building, especially if it's empty. Actually an eerie, this isn't a haunting, but I had a job once where I was kind of the last person in an office when the office closed at the end of the night. And um, I had a job where I was like one of the last or was the last person who was in the office at the end of the night. And when all of the office, when everybody was out of the office, it was just this big empty space of a bunch of humming computers and it was the eeriest thing because I could hear voices and I every night when I would shut down the office I was thinking like there has to be someone in here is it cleaners because I'm hearing people talking but it was just kind of like within the white noise of the ventilation and the computers whirring and buzzing I could just hear like human voices and I've often thought like you know what the heck is up with that right. But I don't think the place is haunted I think it was just awful
2: yeah you just hated working there <laughs> Um,
1: well, let's get into it. Uh, what I have here is a list of the top ten most haunted places in Canada, and this list comes to us from Reader's Digest, uh, the preeminent experts on haunted things.
2: Yeah, yeah. Whenever I'm looking for a scare, I pick up the Reader's Digest. <laughs> I read a recipe that's just too complicated, and I don't have the ingredients for, and I. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Uh, they do
1: the order they they start with number one you should never have a list that starts with number yeah it's very anti-climatic it
2: starts at the top and goes keep reading it's Let's, gonna get you know more boring so for number 10 we're talking
1: about the Maritime Museum of British Columbia it's in Victoria here's what it says the dearly departed seem to have a fondness for the city's cheekily known as the place what The dearly departed seem to have a fondness for the city cheekily known as the place for the newlywed and the nearly dead. Located in Victoria's well-known Bastion Square is the Maritime Museum of British Columbia, which was once the site of the city's jail and gallows. Some say that if you look through the windows at the museum's entrance, a shadowy, slender Van Dyke bearded figure can be seen Gliding down the main staircase, the mysterious apparition is thought to be the ghost of Sir Matthew Bailey Begbie, Victoria's infamous hanging judge. Mm. Doesn't do it for me. I think it it seems to me that every museum has like an invested interest, a vested interest in being haunted, so they can show up on these
2: lists. It reminds me very much of the Savoy Theatre in Glace Bay. You know, I've worked there for years. And it's like that was always said to be haunted, you know, this old you know Victorian theater or whatever
1: like, said by the theaters PR yeah, department.
2: yeah, well, there was a photo <laughs> one time of the empty theater, you know, and all the empty seats in the stage, and there was this kind of shadowy figure that appeared midway in the in the in the seats, and it had a very slight resemblance to like a person standing there, right? But Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, I'm sure any photographer will tell you how that can happen in a photo, you know, a number of different ways. But Mm -hmm. people ran with that and always said that the theater was haunted. And, you know, I've been there alone at times, late at night, many, many times. And it's it's not haunted, you know? Yeah, I
1: I think, like, the photo alone wouldn't do it for me. There needs to be... Kind of like a justification in a backstory like maybe the the if the theater had have uh, originally been designed and used for like a funeral home with a crematorium or there's a graveyard like i'd like to hear kind of that yeah if it's just we have this photo
2: yeah no, we got this photo and people have stories where they've heard things or whatever it's a very old building you're going to hear lots of different things so
1: well let me move on to number nine of Canada's most haunted places. This one is on the East Coast. We're talking about the West Point Lighthouse in O'Leary, PEI. The sight of a lighthouse bathed in pitch darkness conjures up all sorts of frightful possibilities. But rumors have long swirled that the first keeper of the lighthouse, Willie, haunts the West Point Lighthouse Inn, one of Canada's quirkiest hotels located next door. Talk about a turndown service you never want to get. Hmm. I think at any lighthouse being on the water they re- generally they're really old isolated the fog rolls in if there's you know thunder it just I, I just picture them being kind of like facing nature so I could see a lighthouse as being a place that would be evocative of the beyond, of the beyond but again this seems to be a story where the hotel next door is like yeah and that ghost comes over
2: here yeah and he gets the you know the the happy hour special that we're offering tonight <laughs>
1: let's go to number eight we're going to Quebec City for a place called the plains of Abraham In 1759, British forces under Major General James Wolfe staged a three-month siege of Quebec City, culminating in the Battle of the Plains of Abraham. Being the location of one of the most famous battles in Canadian history, it's no wonder um, that it's one of the most haunted places in Canada. With numerous sightings of ghostly soldiers appearing throughout the fields and tunnels, both Wolfe and French Major General Louis-Joseph de Montcalm died in the battle and we can't help but wonder whether their spirits are still battling it out to this day
2: <laughs> now that's that got one, a bit of a, that does it that 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 kind of checks your boxes
1: yeah because it's it there's a reason yeah, the like, battlefield I
2: think, type you know dead fallen soldiers and...
1: yeah an untimely death of tons of people mm-hmm. in a dramatic traumatic way so you know, going back to what I said about like the difference between life and death is just like you know one volt of electricity or whatever. The people who died in this kind of battle, unmass, untimely. Like I just feel like their energy or their electricity that's keeping them alive—it's like at its peak, it's going wild. They're fighting for their lives, and then boom, it dissipates into the sky wow. or whatever. This would be a situation for me that it would stick around.
2: Yeah, yeah, or that it could stick there for what you're looking for for a haunted area. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, the site is
1: it's still now just fields where these battles were, so it's relatively unchanged. So if if, as you walk through those fields, if you know about this battle and what happened, I think it would also be easy for you know, theater the imagination to bring you into it as well and allow those spirits to communicate with
2: you. Yeah, and I think if you're you can convince yourself that a place is haunted. You know, I'm I'm sure your mind can can always bring you there if you want to go there. Oh, certainly,
1: and I think that's why the history is so important. Yeah, it, it, it's it easily gives you the context. You can,
2: you can easily convince yourself that an area is haunted if you know historically a lot of people died there.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: you're walking right where they laid. Yeah, yeah, and uh. you're yeah, yes.
1: So the next one is the first on the list that I've actually been to. Oh, Number seven is the Hockey Hall of Fame in downtown Toronto, Ontario. Prior to serving as Canada's hockey shrine, this building was once a branch of the Bank of Montreal. Legend has it that a lonely bank teller named Dorothy took her own life after her romantic advances were rejected by the, by the bank's manager. Dorothy's ghost is now believed to occupy the Hall of Fame with some visitors reporting they heard inexplicable sounds of a woman
2: crying throughout the building that um so let's see i'm sure that's the current bank manager crying that they're hearing the way (laughs) the economy is going yeah that could be uh
1: as well as like when you go back in the day we generally it's the bank is wouldn't it be like the bank manager that's making like inappropriate advances to like the underlings to the lower are you saying every bank
2: manager does this
1: no but i'm saying if you go if you take a hundred relationships that happened in banks a hundred years ago or 80 years ago whenever the hockey hall of fame was at bank of montreal i I would guarantee you that a significant percentage of that is someone higher on the ladder making advances to Mm. someone on the lower on the ladder especially if you're talking about a female receptionist
2: I feel like, yeah, absolutely. That would be
1: probably quite commonplace. Yeah. So I do not believe that story. I would, before I believe that Dorothy, the teller who took her own life because the bank manager turned her down, I would, I'd like to see, you know, an obituary, some information on who she is uh, maybe some contemporary reports of what was happening. But I think that may be hard, but uh, I don't believe that story. I, I, Connect this back to what we've been talking about. Like, everything wants to be haunted.
2: Everything does. Even the Hall of Fame. And the The Hall Hall of Fame Fame has no need to make up a haunting story, though. Because they're the Hockey Hall of Fame. Everybody goes there. For that reason, nobody's going to be like, I want to go see the Hockey Hall of Fame, but is it haunted? Because if it's not, I'm Uh, not going to bother.
1: Well, what would attendance at the hockey hall of
2: fame be like in October? Like, do they maybe need a little October, No, I think a hockey fan doesn't care what time of year it is to enjoy the hockey hall of fame. Mm, Yeah, you're right. Um, number six,
1: most haunted place in Canada. I haven't been to this one, but I've been to lots of old spaghetti factory restaurants. Number six on the list is the old spaghetti factory in Vancouver. It's been said that the ghost of a train conductor still haunts this popular eatery built atop an old underground railway track in Vancouver's Gastown neighborhood. Inexplicable cold drafts and mysteriously rearranged table settings are the calling card of the deceased train conductor. Making matters truly spine-tingling is a photograph of the er 1950s-era decommissioned electric trolley now featured in the restaurant's dining room. The photo... the photo depicts hints of a ghostly figure believed to be the train conductor standing on the steps of the trolley uh
2: yeah i don't i don't know i mean are there pictures of this ghostly train conductor like or is it just like oh yeah i saw him yeah there's there's a ghost or sorry there's a photo of a conductor on a
1: train but i don't know what that connects how that connects to it i think what what this is i think is maybe the restaurant could have a bit of a a benefit of promoting the legend so I, we got to consider that but the idea that the that the restaurant is built atop a decommissioned like train terminal there's just going to be a lot of history a lot of people have come and gone through there If, again, if there's electricity in our bodies while we're alive, a lot of that electricity would have passed that building because a train station would have a ton of people moving through it day Mm. in, day out. So maybe there could be something going on here. I think um, I'm more willing to believe something built atop a graveyard train station, uh, crematorium, mortuary, funeral home sort of thing. I think that gets some bonus points.
2: Yeah, but it's just so weird, it, it, like, don't you think that a train conductor, it, it was an underground train, right? Mm-hmm. So wouldn't he haunt underground? Why would he come yeah, into the spaghetti come... restaurant upstairs? With The noise. Like, the... keep it down, you know, you're eating spaghetti like too you're... loud, you're slurping too the, loud. The,
1: the knives and forks on the you know the cutlery on the porcelain cup like
2: yeah yeah stop enjoying your meal i'm dead down here (laughs)
1: um and yeah i I don't know maybe there's something going on but i don't know if necessarily it was that train conductor they I, i don't know enough about it and they haven't been able to in that paragraph make a compelling case to me that it would be the train conductor uh, but that said, so far, if I could pick a couple places that I'd go to, oh, th- that'd be one I'd be well, interested in. Well, the reason in it would be sitting nice in the
2: seas is because I'd like to have some spaghetti.
5: Mm.
2: And then if a I ghost shows, up, factor, you know, like, yeah, cool. So be Man, it. I saw the ghost too, but the spaghetti was great.
1: Let's go to Ottawa. Number five on our list is the Fairmount Chateau Laurier in Ottawa. Business tycoon Charles Melville Hayes commissioned the Fair the Fairmount Chateau Laurier, but died tragically aboard the Titanic just days before the hotel's grand opening in nineteen twelve. Hayes' spirit has since been rumored to be seen roaming throughout the property. Had we invested our time and money into crafting the lavish chateau only only to die mere days before its completion, we'd likely be inclined to return as well. I disagree no you would you would be it wasn't like he ocean. was
2: haunting a hotel that has been in his family for generations or that he built when he was 20 and has run the place into his 60s or 70s or something like this is just like yeah i just built a hotel and then or i'm building a hotel but I, uh, and then but i of his attention and then, you know
1: a lot of his attention and brain power would have been on like making this hotel work but then at the same time he also would have been thinking a lot about his trip on the titanic and the drowning so why would he he maybe would be busy haunting you know the bottom of the ocean but the titanic yeah well sits. maybe the
2: bottom of the ocean especially where the titanic is is a very busy spot for ghosts you know water yeah, ghosts, like, water-based ghosts but like mm. yeah so like are fishes ghosts too and Like, is that, you know, like, are there ghost turtles or? (laughs) Ghost kelp? Ghost seaweed? Uh, You don't um, often hear of uh, plant-based ghosts, do you?
1: No, you don't. That's like an untapped resource uh, for the supernatural investigators.
2: I would believe it, you know, after Hurricane Fiona just ran through the Maritimes, I would believe that there would be ghost trees all over these parts now
1: (laughs) let's go let's go to number four of 10 the second on the list that i've been to we're talking about the keg mansion in toronto you know the keg i've eaten
2: at the keg yeah i've had some tasty steaks there
1: the keg is great, but in Toronto, there's one they call the keg mansion, and it's. The, I'm going to read you the article. Today, it's one of many locations of the keg steakhouse franchise, but the legendary keg mansion on Jarvis Street in Toronto was once the private residence of industrialist Hart Macy and his family. As legend has, in 1915, after the, after the death of, of Macy's beloved only daughter Lillian, one of the maids was so stricken by grief that she hung herself. Another version of the story involves the maid killing herself for fears her rumored affair with a Macy man would be revealed. Either way, the ghost image of a maid hanging by her neck has been seen by more than one keg visitor over the years. Yeah. Uh, I, when you go to that building, like to go in at the keg mansion to like get a meal, it's very creepy. It's a super old house, like all wood paneling and stuff inside. It looks like an old castle. It's a very e- eerie place. If you go in there and someone said, someone died here 80 years ago, you'd immediately be like, I got the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, Because it just got that vibe. I'm not surprised at all. It's haunted. I didn't know there was rumors it was haunted when i went there and i remember i was there 10 15 years ago and i remember feeling you're like feeling kind of weirded out
2: in there but if this place is truly haunted and it's a restaurant like people would eventually stop going there like if they were legit seeing you know what they describe in the article as a hanged woman yeah you wouldn't <laughs> yeah, that's a, the place wouldn't the survive reviews. as a functioning restaurant because nobody's going to want to eat there if they see a a a ghost hanging in the corner like a real ghost like it's not
4: Hmm.
1: you know it is pretty freaky well we have a haunted restaurant in halifax that should be on this list the five fishermen is a popular restaurant seafood restaurant downtown halifax uh long said to be haunted uh, there's a I've heard a thousand stories of things that happened in there from staff and guests and everything else But the re but it has a great reason to be haunted is before it was the five fishermen restaurant It was a funeral home that would that would have served the dead from the Halifax explosion as well as from the sinking of the Titanic mm. So a hell of a lot of dead bodies
2: went through But there. the thing is, is um, the bodies are already dead when they're going to the funeral home so don't you think the energy depending on how fast they got the bodies to the funeral home but don't you think Mm. the energy would lay where the body died or was killed maybe or maybe it's
1: just slowly kind of like almost like static (laughs) like well it's just almost like static that's like kind of clinging to the body and it's slowly dissipating into the air or whatever but i don't know i think I think the Five Fishermen in Halifax is haunted. Regardless, the Keg Mansion maybe. Right. Let's go. To, let's go to number three. The photo of this one very much is the typical haunted house. We're talking about the Fairmont Bount, uh, the Fairmont Banff Springs Hotel in Banff, Alberta. Though the Bates Motel in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho or the Overlook Hotel in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining were. Oh, sorry. Thought that the Bates Motel in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho or the Overlook Hotel in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining were scary? Well, Fairmont Banff Springs Hotel is easily one of Canada's greatest hotels, but it's also rumored to be one of the most haunted places in our entire country. Built in 1888 by the Canadian Pacific Railway, This hotel is the site of numerous terrifying ghost sightings, including a bride who allegedly died falling down the hotel's marble staircase and a retired head bellman named Sam McCauley, who continues to haunt the hotel dressed in full uniform. Uh, This is a hotel that it looks like it's at the bottom of a mountain in the middle of the woods. It's giant and creepy. I'd say we, without even knowing backstories, I'd look at it and be like, you know, that building has a story. Uh, if the if that's true about the woman falling down the stairs mm-hmm. uh, while putting on a wedding there, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's I, don't, a, that's... I
2: don't know either. You know, that's a gruesome way to go, too, To for anybody that has watched the Netflix documentary, The Staircase. Mm. We all know that mm-hmm. that's a brutal way to go, but... Maybe this and woman who fell like down it. the stairs was actually attacked by an owl. <laughs> That's a deep cut for the
1: stairway the watcher. staircase people out there, yeah. <laughs> or staircase Yeah, washer. yeah. <laughs> Let's go to number 10. We're, this is, I think, the second in Victoria. This is Craig the Rock Castle in Victoria. Built in 1890s for coal miner Robert Dunsmuir and his family, this Victorian-era mansion has since become one of the most haunted places in Canada. Rumors of a piano that plays by itself and sightings of a ghostly woman in white have frequently been reported. Many attribute the, can- the castle's supernatural proclivity to Dunsmuir's ultimate demise just a year before the building was completed. So this is another one where someone dies right before the building is completed. Yeah, I just
2: can't understand the motivation of them wanting to haunt that place. You think they'd want it i think they success. have other things in their life other than what they were working on just in that moment mm-hmm. like go haunt but your also, ex-girlfriend's house or
1: yeah or just like the place that you were living in when you died like uh, uh this yeah these people or the must have had a in lot which of... you
2: died you know like mm-hmm. walking down the street hit by a car this crosswalk is haunted <laughs> By a train conductor who was off-duty walking here.
1: <laughs> According to Reader's Digest, the number one most haunted place in Canada is the Tranquil Sanatorium in Kamloops, B.C. The word sanatorium is haunted. Here's what it says. The foreboding, the foreboding ruins of the sprawling Tranquil Sanatorium just outside Kamloops are straight out of a nightmare. Originally built in 1907 as a treatment center for tuberculosis sufferers, it later served as a mental institution between, before becoming ultimately abandoned in the early 80s. Echoes of its former residents seem to remain, however, as witnesses report off-the-charts paranormal activity, ranging from orbs to eerily disembodied moans. Eerily disembodied moans. Before the pandemic derailed the 2020 to 2021 tourist season, you could tour the Erie location, surely one of the most haunted places in Canada, with a guide from Tranquil Farm Fresh, which now manages the sites. For the truly fearless or downright crazy, they even offer an escape room experience in the Stygian tunnels that link the various buildings on their property.
2: I don't think I'd be doing the escape room there.
1: No, uh... Any uh, this is another one that I think of any kind of former mental institution that was used at the time before we cared for like we don't care for our mentally well or mentally ill now in 2020 the treatment they would have gotten in the 1920s 30s 40s 50s I'm sure if we could see what happened in those places asylums or whatever you know the, the The sight of what those people went through would probably haunt us for the rest of our lives, let alone the spot where it happened and they were and they died. And
2: to have an escape room there that you go into and have to I don't want to rely on my own wits to have to escape from a haunted mental institution (laughs) because I'm probably not getting out. And
1: Here's another thing. I think this one is like double layered because I think the building's probably haunted anyway due to its history. But then this group, Firm Fresh or whatever, that's running the escape room and all that, I feel like they're trying to kind of, they're trying to like monetize the haunting. So they're probably hyping it up a bit. And you think they're angering the ghosts? Well, I think it's just reckless. I think the building's haunted. You don't need to like, it's not like this hotel or this restaurant that you want to like every October get a little bump in sales. I think they're just they're messing with something they probably don't understand
2: yeah it sounds like it oh well, they're gonna hear hey. from that train conductor Wait <laughs> right till the train rolls into town the real ghost shows yeah. up uh overall pretty good list
1: but i think that people out there across the country will likely have a better list if we could hear from Listeners of Keep Canada Weird who know something haunted in their hometown or the place that they're living that is better than this list. I'd like to hear about it both to talk about on the show, but also for my own interests. I'd like to whenever I'm traveling, I always want to find like the cool off the grid little haunted thing and go there, whether it's a restaurant or a hotel. uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for it. I will pay more to stay at a crappy, maybe haunted place than I would for just a nice bed
2: yeah yeah um maybe you should uh search out the most haunted airbnbs in canada and then do some of a cross-country haunted stay that's actually a good idea thank you
1: hello listeners sorry to pull you to the episode like this but i want to tell you about something coming to the premium feed as you probably can imagine, I get many more emails, voicemails, and messages than I have the time to respond to. The best way I can come up with to handle them is via a monthly episode where I catch up on my messages. On the evening of October 24th, I'll be recording the latest episode of Letters to the Night, in which I respond to September and October's mail. This month's mail primarily features comments on my coverage of Emma Philipoff's case, the story of Lindsay Sivanaroth, And a listener recounts yet another disturbing encounter with the Halifax Glove Guy. So if you want to hear this discussion and gain access to the full show archive, go premium at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And not only does the premium feed give you more of the show, it funds its creation. Now let's get back to the episode. Let's move on to the final act of the Keep Canada Weird Halloween special. I love a good ghost story. We've just kind of heard a bunch of mini ones, but none of them were like a full, complete story. Um, often on the show, I've called upon Steve Vernon, who's like a local writer, to um, tell me some ghost stories because he does he does an amazing job. And my prior uh, Halloween specials will showcase some of his amazing work. Um, but what I wanted to do this year is... I've been thinking about this lately. Is when I, I can't remember even what era this would have been. I'm thinking the 90s, maybe the late 80s. There was a, I, th- I think it was maybe monthly or maybe weekly, um, kind of segment on the evening news, which they called Maritime Mysteries, and it was hosted by Bill Jessam. Uh, Bill Jessam, he almost did like I don't know, maybe like the poor man's unsolved mystery sketch or something where he'd be walking uh, with weird dramatic mm-hmm. lighting and he would just tell the story of like a haunted place and maybe they'd interview a person or two that was involved in, you know, living there or something. Do you, do you remember the Maritime I Michigan do. Seconds? Yeah,
2: I remember seeing them on. I didn't really wait for it to come on, but you know, the news would often be on on the TV in the kitchen growing up you know, as my dad is maybe, you know, preparing supper or whatever. And so I would always just kind of see it. And it was it was always interesting, I guess. I don't particularly remember any exact episode, but. Oh, um, man, I remember a bunch of them. I used to, when it would come on, I loved it. I, I had a bunch
1: of them record it. I think my dad recorded them for me and I would watch them just because it was, again, like unsolved mysteries of like yeah. this haunted place or whatever. But it was local, it was often Nova Scotia, PEI, Newfoundland. Um, but I wanted to listen to one. Uh, I picked one and I remember this one from back in the day. Uh, and it's the story that I know it as the floating coffin is is the story. This is a, a haunting or like a ghost story from Prince Edward Island. Mm-hmm. So let's let's listen in on Bill Jessum's telling. And he man, this guy's a great story He is. Rest in peace, Bill Jessum, he's passed. Is he gonna haunt us?
5: The waters that wash against the shores of Prince Edward Island hold forever the secrets of the strange tale of the seagoing coffin. If that is so, then let the journey begin to a place known as Fortune Harbor. The story of the seagoing coffin had began its odyssey in the Gulf of Mexico and ended up on the Prince Edward Island shore was reported in international newspapers and magazines, including Ripley's Believe It or Not. The central figure in this maritime mystery was an actor of the 1890s. He was tall, handsome, and magnetic. Charles Coughlin was the John Barrymore of his day. One report says he was born in England in 1841, while others claim Prince Edward Island as his place of birth. While doing research for an article on Fortune Harbor and Abel's Cape and its people, Adele Townsend discovered there was another group living in the area, actors and writers from New York City, and the main character was one, Charles Coughlin.
4: Yes, Coughlin was one of them. And uh, he is the only one that has uh, any a marker today to mark that era, but there is a stone to to him in Fortune Cemetery.
5: Charles Coughlin was the center of that famous colony. He was a darling of the female population, a rapscallion of the First Order. While in Paris and under the influence, he married a young actress. He had a wife at the time back in New York. While appearing on stage in Galveston, Texas in 1899, Charles Coughlin collapsed and died before reaching hospital. Against his wishes, he was buried in a Galveston graveyard and not Fortune Harbor. The following year, a violent hurricane swept in from the Gulf and claimed over 6,000 lives. The flood that followed washed most of the graves into the Gulf Stream, including Coglin's Coffin. For the next eight years, night and day, and in every kind of weather, Charles Coughlin's Coffin simply disappeared somewhere in the Gulf of Mexico, or so it was thought. Believe it or not, the coffin bearing the body of Charles Coughlin drifted eastward in the currents of the Gulf Stream, up the Florida, Massachusetts, and Maine coast, and into the waters of the Northumberland Strait. The coffin then drifted in the waters of Abel's Cape, to the beach of Fortune Harbor. Two fishermen who came upon the coffin were somewhat hesitant. Should they or should they not open it? Curiosity got the better of them. Charles Coglin's wish was finally granted. His coffin carried him home to the island he loved, 3,000 miles from where he had been buried eight years earlier.
4: That is folklore, yes. And uh, Harry Burke was an, an older man, quite an older man, uh, when I moved to Fortune here. And uh, uh, he had stories about about that coffin coming into Fortune, Fortune Bay, Fortune River, it seems a bit um, hard to believe. But uh, there were lots of stories of that type at that at that time.
5: And there are other people who live along the shores of Abel's Cape who swear the story is true. Adele's husband, Cliff, who grew up on the Coglan Tail says it's an attraction and one of the best maritime mysteries. Oh it is an intriguing story, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why you're here, I guess. <laughs> Out of all of these confused accounts of fact and fiction, the legend makers have woven together in the folklore of Prince Edward Island, the mystery of the seagoing coffin.
2: <laughs>
5: that give you chills. Uh, chills,
2: honestly, no, not really. I don't really, really get chills from stuff like that. I guess I, I get. I
1: don't know. I get swept up in those stories, mm. and just the idea of th- this one seems believable to me. There, there's the the love story of Cogland and this woman. He's living in PEI. He dies somewhere else. He's buried somewhere. I'm guessing like near a shoreline. A hurricane sweeps through some but some of the graves are kind of dumped into the water mm-hmm. which is something that happens a lot his coffin somehow manages to float all the way from the new york area right up the coastline to tweet where he turns up it's a
2: super cool story i really like the you know the way it plays out and, and mm-hmm. um i would like maybe who would be an expert on this to maybe get into the science behind it, like maybe the, you know, the possibilities of the journey of the coffin, like how likely mm-hmm. it would be to end up, you know, back in PEI. Like, you know what I mean? Like how, who, yeah. would, what would, what, what expert would that be? Would like I don't someone know, who would study who's, streams who's... and... and yeah and like currents and flows
1: and all this stuff yeah. but then it would also have to be someone who can then scale back to like you know we're talking about the 18 whatevers. yeah um so that may may make a challenge but you hear of like b- both sides of this you hear of graves being dumped into the water due mm. to erosion and all this stuff that's something that happens a lot in bodies washing up on shores is something that happens For a lot sure. here on the East Coast of Canada. It's like um, you know we're famous for Oak Island, and a lot of the rumors about Oak Island is simply just a collection of things that just washed up there over the years are being dug up and you know and looked at in interesting and unusual mm. ways. I think that you know whether or not that is what happened, I think it is possible. Like I, I, we could get someone to look into it, and I, I don't know if anyone definitively could say 100% possible, 100% impossible. I think. It's always going to be a little bit left to the listener to tell. But ultimately, as far as a ghost story goes, I think this has all of the kind of trappings. It has the love story. It has a reason for him mm-hmm. to want to get back to where his coffin gets. The the imagery of the coffin floating across the ocean for days on end, weeks on end to ultimately land near where his lover was to be and only to be reburied there i don't know i like oh, it. it is a
2: great story it's great and it's it's you have to kind of wonder is it a little too good to be true
0: mm-hmm.
2: Right? uh it's definitely got the air of folklore like, yeah you know, it's a fun story and you know um do i believe it if i were a betting person I w- and I had to make a wager on is it true or not I would probably if I was placing money on it say that it's not but but it,
1: but there may be some truth to it even if it if it isn't true maybe a body maybe washed a up on there and a coffin and,
2: did wash up was it him I don't know
1: I think it's a 100% true as told as told not fact. a
2: single stray fact just completely solid from beginning to end yeah that wasn't storytelling that was journalism. that was that was not fake ghost news
1: <laughs> uh, Aaron let's start wrapping this up this has been a wonderful Halloween event to share with mm-hmm. you hmm uh, I can't wait to see what we do for Christmas
2: another costume episode maybe <laughs> santa we're both dressed as elves well hopefully one of us is uh, mr claus and the other maybe mrs claus oh,
1: that, that could would be, be nice for the yeah, two for, of us to have for, that
2: kind for, of uh it'd just be a different take on our relationship i think yeah. so
1: or just more of a accurate take on it or just the next step or just yesterday's step um for people who are listening and not watching we are in costume aaron is a very feisty devil and I am a lunatic wearing a balaclava. I don't know what I call this costume, other than I often use it to freak out my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the a...
2: awful father is the name of your costume. <laughs> uh, Aaron, I hope you have a happy Halloween. I hope you do too. And Jordan, until next time, watch out for train conductors. Choo, choo. Uh, to all the listeners, we hope you have a happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.
0: Scary laugh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I keep Canada weird, but let us also call out to you for even more support in this mission. If something unusual happens in your town, make sure you let us know, and the best way to inform us is by sending us a voice memo at nighttimepodcast.com. We hope to hear from you. But before we part here, I'm going to give some thanks. A Big thanks to Aaron for sharing another moonlit evening with me and with you, the creepy listeners of Nighttime. A big shout out to the internet's favorite haunted cult leader, Unicol, who supplies the intro and outro voiceovers for this series. And lastly, but most importantly, I have a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is, and it has always been, an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you're listening on the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed fund the creation of the show, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find on the free feed, as I'm adding exclusive content regularly, and I maintain a full back catalog of episodes only on the premium feed. So for both the price of a cup of coffee, help keep the show alive at patreon.com slash podcast. And with that said, let me thank the newest subscribers, Danielle, Christine, the Jedi Master Kara, and Heather J. Thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to help support the show, you can keep Canada weird by sharing this episode on social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, want to give feedback on the show, or simply want to send us a voice memo, you can do all that and more at my website, nighttimepodcast.com. We hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and have a happy Halloween.
3: The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.
1: Uh, but are you excited for Halloween? Yeah. What are you gonna do? What you gonna dress as?
0: Harry Potter.
1: Yeah? And are you gonna do magic? Yes. <laughs> do you got the dorky little glasses? And do you got the ridiculous cape? <laughs> <laughs> the more important question is how much candy are we gonna get? And the right answer? There's only one answer. How much candy we we're going to
0: get? Two months. Radical. I'm not a teenager. All
1: right. Well, my boy just wanted to wish everybody Uh, uh,
0: d- uh Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy Halloween. That was close.
1: <laughs> that was a close one. All right. You Happy can get up there. Happy Easter. Happy all sorts of things.